I get excited when I preach, so when I do, just let me go. Enjoy it. And um, I get excited because I thank God for what he's delivered me from. And um, there should be an excitement in every child of God because we know that we are new creatures in Christ. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things have become new. And, and I cannot say thank you enough to Pastor Greg for this awesome privilege and honor to preach at First Southern Baptist Church of Camden. You guys are a blessed church. To have a man like Pastor Greg Jackson leading you, you guys are blessed and never, ever, ever take for granted his leadership, his love for the Word of God, and his love for God's people, and his love for pastors. And um, I know that firsthand. He loves pastors, and, um, and I love your pastor. He is a great, great man of God, and I want to be like him when I grow up. And um, I'll get to his age one day, and um, so eventually I will get there. And how many of you were here for Brother Rudy's message on how many of you, how many of you not been able to look at a tater the same way <laughs> since his message? And um, so not to be outdone, you have a recipe card in your possession. I hope and pray everybody got a recipe card. I'm going to make a cake tonight. That'd be all right. How many of y'all like sweets? I'm a sweet fanatic, and my wife's here. She'll tell you, sweets are my weakness, and, uh, you know, so pray for me that God delivers me from the power of sweets, and because uh, I don't like the, the, the weight gain of the sweets. I love eating them. I just don't like the health effects of the sweets, and so what I want to try to convey tonight is, and, and by the way, guys, when I say a recipe for, for revival, this isn't all the ingredients that's needed for revival but I believe they're good starting points. I'm not going to go through all of them tonight. Um, I've got three that I'm going to give you, um, but I wanted to give you a recipe card because, again, I believe it all starts with humility. I believe that is the first one on your card there. And, again, Second Chronicles 7:14. God's again, if my people, I love the word if because that's a clause. It's, it's if. If my people called by my name will do what? First, first thing, humble themselves. Humility is a hard thing for even in the Christian realm. We think because we're Christians that we're, we're delivered from pride and stubbornness and we have, we're just, just a humble group of people and sometimes we let pride get in our ways, get in our way. And many times pride will hinder revival from being sent by God. Now, let me just say this about revival as well. Revival is for God's people. It's not for the unsaved world. But I do believe this. I believe when God's people revive, I believe it affects the outside world. I believe it impacts the unsaved. And that's our prayer, and that's what I've been praying for for the last two weeks, is I don't want just God's people to be revived. I want us to have a revival in our spirits tonight to where we are going out and impacting the world for Jesus Christ. Because, guys, it's not rocket science to figure out that we live in an ungodly, wicked, wicked world right now that needs Jesus. And the only way they're going to hear about Jesus is if the church of Jesus Christ wakes up and starts telling people about Jesus. And so, because, again, they're not going to hear about Jesus on our local news media outlets you're only going to hear about Jesus if the church goes out and does what we're supposed to do, does what we're commanded to do, and go and tell others about Jesus. How many of you today were told by somebody about Jesus? Somebody told you about Jesus, and that's how you got saved. You see? And again, it's only fair that we take what God has given to us through the works of somebody else to go out and tell somebody else about Jesus because of what God has done in our lives. Again, it's so good to be saved, guys. Again, never take for granted your salvation. We have eternal life, eternal life. And again, the songs that we've sang tonight, our hope is not in government. Our hope is not in our pastors. Our hope is not in our churches. Our hope is in Jesus and Jesus alone. 
And what happens is, and again, I believe one of the biggest hindrances to revival is that we have put our hope in the wrong things. We have gotten away from the things of God. We've gotten away from serving God. And guys, again, when there's a departure in the church from things that are normal, that's when you know that there's a need for revival. That's what revival is in a nutshell, is a departure from normal. When, when there's a departure from the normal, what are some normal things in Christianity? Holiness, at least it should be. Prayer, that should be, that should be it, that's like breathing for us. It should just be as natural as breathing. The word of God, gathering together with the saints. You know what I love about these kind of meetings is that there's multiple churches represented. Because guys, we're getting a small glimpse of what heaven's gonna be like. Again, when we're all worshiping together and serving together and we're gathered together, we're not living in our separate churches and our separate, our separate cities, but guys, we're all together around the very throne room of God, worshiping our great Savior. Guys, I can't, again, when I talk about heaven, I, I get excited about heaven. Again, as, as beautiful as heaven's gonna be, and again, we get a small glimpse from the book of Revelation of what heaven's gonna be like, the greatest thing about heaven is we get to see Jesus. I get to see Jesus. I get to see the one who died for me. I get to see the one who laid his life down so that we could have eternal life. I get to see the one who took my sin debt upon himself on the cross 2,000 years ago. I get to see the one who was buried and rose again three days later, conquering sin and conquering death. I get to see Jesus. And guys, if we can't be revived about anything else, it's just knowing that as children of Almighty God, we've got a home in heaven in my Father's house or many mansions, and we get to see Christ. Turn to the book of Acts, chapter number one. I love the book of Acts, and, and again, I, I think there's so much that we can learn from this early church. I think there's a lot of stuff that we need to be implementing in the modern day church from the early church that we've just gotten away from. For whatever reason, I told our church this morning, I said, when did it become wrong for the church to be separate? When did it become wrong for the church to be different? But you know what's happening is, again, we're buying into the great lie of Satan that unless, we're light, unless we look like the world and talk like the world, we're never going to reach the world. No, I think the complete opposite, guys. Unless we are living differently and we're walking and talking and living like Jesus, we will never reach, reach this world for Jesus. And by the way, we'll never have revival either. But Acts chapter number one, look at verse number 14 with me. They all continued with, what is, that, what is that next phrase? What are the next two words? One accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, with the brethren. Now go over to chapter two, and I'm gonna read the first four verses there. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. Let me just stop there. Would anybody long for something like that to happen in the church? I mean, and again, we're just sitting here and we're worshiping and we're praising and we're listening to the word of God and then all of a sudden, suddenly there came the sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind that filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like a fire and it sat upon each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, don't get freaked out about the other tongue. They start speaking new tongues. 
It was not gibberish, guys. They started speaking in other languages. If you keep reading in Acts chapter 2, it goes on to define the language or the, the cloven tongues. That's what drives me crazy about the whole speaking in tongue movement and, and this, that, and the others. Guys, again, if you continue to read the book of Acts chapter number 2, it tells you that they were speaking, they heard it in their own language. It wasn't gibberish because God's not the author of confusion. And so again, when we, when we talk about this, guys, and again, when we talk about the recipe for revival, and by the way, guys, we make revival difficult. <laughs> does, does anybody here, let me just ask this first and foremost. If I was to ask you tonight, how many of you want revival? 12, 13 of you? Guys, I told you last time I preached here, listen, you make me feel good when I get some amen to some participation. That makes me feel good and I preach better. There we go. All right. You're, you're getting the cues now. You're, getting the, you're figuring it out. That, okay, I want him to preach better, so, so let me just amen him so he'll get done and we can leave. <laughs> that wasn't your cue for amen, but I'll take it. Where was I? Oh, how many of you desire revival? And again, many of us would say we desire revival. But then if I was to ask you how many of you are willing to pay the price and do what God wants us to do in order for him to send revival. Because guys, listen, revival is not going to come because of a program, and revival is not going to come because we have revival services. Revival will only come when God's people are ready and God sends and descends upon his people. We can have revival services every week and never have revival. Yeah, we get to hear great preaching and great music, and we get to enjoy fellowship and this, that, and that. By the way, which all, I, I love all those things. But what I desire and what I hunger and what I thirst for, guys, is I, I'm, I'm thirsty and, and passionate for the things of God. I want revival, especially when I study the Welsh revivals and the first and second and third great, great awakenings and just what was going on in America and other countries at that time. Because people had such a hunger and a thirst for the things of God. And I think that's what the church has gotten away from, especially since COVID. Is that, guys, we've lost our passion for the things of God. And what we need to do starting tonight, guys, is to, re to get back that passion that we once had for God. And it starts with going back to loving what we first loved. The problem is, guys, we have left our first love. And again, until we return to our first love, revival will never come. But again, we can learn so much from this early church. And again, when we think about revival, I love some of the synonyms that were used for revival. Rebirth, regeneration, rejuvenation, renewal, resurgence, resurrection, resuscitation. Those are great synonyms, guys. Those are great words for the word revival. But again, we need to remind ourselves tonight that we cannot produce revival. We can pray that God would be gracious and send revival to us. I love what Leonard Ravenhill once said. He said, as long as we are content to live without revival, we will. We'll never have it. As long as we're content to live without it, guess what? Revival will never come. I don't know about anybody else in this room. I can tell you these two pastors down here and Pastor Kyle over here, we're not content. And we don't want our people content. We want you uncomfortable. Listen, I get to say whatever I want from this pulpit and Greg gets to clean it up after I leave. <laughs> he knows I'm kidding with him. I'm not going to say anything. But guys, again, if, if we're just content with status quo, guys, how many, do we, do we have a great God or not? Not a good God, we have a great God. And I think God wants greatness in his people. 
Not greatness, guys, as the world looks at greatness, but he wants greatness as it, look, as it looks like in the Bible, in the Word of God. And again, if God is great, why shouldn't his people be great and want greatness from God and through God? But again, we've become so content with status quo that we have forgotten that there's a lost world dying and going to hell. But guys, I'm, I'm just a firm believer because I've seen it happen in my life personally and I've seen it happen in countless people's lives. Jesus Christ is still changing lives. Still changing lives. He's not stopped. And again, if he's not going to stop, why should his bride stop? Let me ask you this. How many of you just this week, God has done something great in your life? Just this week. Do you think he's going to stop just this week? Guys, when we look at this early church, you know what I see all through the book of Acts, all 28 chapters? You won't find contentment. Listen, 3,000 people got saved. Do you think they stopped? Nope, because 5,000 people end up getting saved. 4,000 people get saved. Because they weren't content. So again, as we think about this early church, and again, what is needed to send revival to his people. Number one, what I'm going to give you tonight is the first word is unity. Unity. Now, notice that phrase in verse number 14, one accord. They were all unified. They were all in full agreement. We are living in a day, guys, right now, that the churches are even divided. And what we see in our culture, guys, right now, is we see a world, especially the United States of America, we are seeing America that is completely split in half. There's so much division going on in the United States of America. And what the people of the United States of America that is so divisive needs to see is a church that is absolutely unified. And again, we all come from different backgrounds. We all have different social statuses. But guys, listen to me. The one common denominator that each and every one of us have tonight is Jesus Christ and eternal life through Jesus Christ. We are all children of Almighty God, and that's what unifies us. And the world is watching the church. And let me just tell you what, let me just say this tonight too, guys. Satan hates a unified church. How many of y'all believe we still have an enemy that is all about division? But the church needs to be unified. God will not, will not, will not send revival to a disunified church. It's against his character. He's righteous. He is holy. And we cannot expect God to send revival when there's not unity in the church. You have 120 people meeting in an upper room in one accord and of one mind. No two people in that room were the same. No two people in this room tonight are saved. We're sa the same. You're not saved either, I guess. I don't know, maybe that was something that, maybe I'm prophesying tonight. We're not the same. But guys, again, we're all unified in Christ. And whether we like it or not, look at the person next to you, look at the person behind you, look at the person in front of you, if they're saved and you're saved, you get to see them all eternity. And guess what? There's no disunity in heaven. 
So why should there be disunity here on earth with God's people? And again, I'm not going to poll the audience tonight, but listen, I guarantee you, and I think Rudy hit on this a little bit last, last time he preached, and some of you probably don't like green pews. Brown carpet, or did we even figure out what the color this carpet was last time? I think you called it gray. I'm not the smartest guy, but it looks more brown to me, Rudy. <laughs> but unity. And guys, Paul addressed it many times to the churches in the New Testament. And again, Ephesians 4, 3, he says, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. You know what Paul is saying, guys? We need to go out of our way to promote unity. It's part of that dying to self, that it's not about us, it's about Christ. And it's about what's best for the kingdom, it's what's best for the church, and not what's best for us. Paul would also address the church in Corinth. 1 Corinthians 1.10, now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you, that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. 1 Corinthians 12.25, that there should be no schism in the body or division in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. Guys, you want the world to freak out? You show up at work tomorrow and just live for Jesus. You go to work tomorrow and brag on your church. You go to work tomorrow and just talk about how awesome your church is and how awesome your God is and how unified your, your church is and, and how much you love your pastor. Because they'll see that, you know what, listen, you know, there's a world around us that's, that there's so much disunity going on, and all they're talking about is their God. They're talking about their people, how they love one another, how they care for one another, how they serve one another. They're going to start asking questions. They're going to want what we have. At least they're going to start asking about what we have. As we explain it to them, and they, may not still, they still may not want it, but at least they're asking questions now. How many sports fans in here? Have you ever seen a team that there was no unity on it? It's ugly to watch. I'm serious, it's just ugly to watch. Listen, that's why I love college basketball, because not the best team wins every year. Duke doesn't win every year. I'm a Duke fan, if anybody doesn't know that. They don't win every year. They always have, most of the time, they have the most talent, the most giftedness, but there's not, they don't always have the best chemistry and unity. And again, you'll see teams that win the national championship, they'll have unity and camaraderie and togetherness. And this is what we see in this church, guys, 120 people that are gathered together of one accord and of one mind. And the church has to get back to being unified. So unity, number one. D.L. Moody said this, I have never yet known the Spirit of God to work where the Lord's people were divided. Let me read that again. I have never yet known the Spirit of God to work where the Lord's people were divided. The second word I want to give you tonight is the word prayer. Now again, I don't want to oversimplify the word, but I also don't want to overcomplicate it as well. We know the power of prayer. We know the importance of prayer. We know, again, that prayer changes people, and we know the transformation power of prayer. But again, guys, are we praying? How many of you agree tonight that prayer is commanded by God? It's not a suggestion. 
Pray without ceasing is not pray when you feel like praying. Jesus said in Luke 18, men ought always to do what? Pray and not faint. Listen, when the disciples approached Jesus, what did they ask him to teach them to do? Teach us to do what, Lord? They didn't, he didn't, they didn't say, Lord, teach us to serve or to teach us to witness or teach us to, because you know what, guys? All of those are a direct result of our prayer life. When you start praying for people and their salvation, guess what you're going to start doing? You're going to start witnessing to them. When you start praying and asking the Lord to give you wisdom to understand his word, guess what you're going to start doing? You're going to start digging into the scriptures. When you start praying and ask the Lord, how can I get involved in church? You know what's going to start happening? Pastor Greg Jackson, Pastor Rudy Allen, Pastor Kyle, Pastor Tim are going to put you to work. But again, I love the fact that they were one, one accord and one mind in prayer and supplication. And again, as they were waiting, they were in unity, they prayed. And again, notice that their, their individual prayer time, it was a corporate prayer time as well. 120 people gathered in one room begging God for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit of God. And church, again, we as the body of Christ need to get back to turning God's house back into a house of prayer. Not just showing up on Sunday morning or Wednesday night and praying for three or four minutes and then expecting a move of God. Guys, listen, I love doing this when it's led of the Spirit of God. I, I, you know, I love messing, with, messing up our church services. This morning, again, with everything that has happened this week in America, and guys, America needs prayer. We are living in a wicked, ungodly, ungodly world. Again, what possesses an 18-year-old kid to walk into a store in Buffalo, New York, and shoot the place up and kill 10 people? What possesses a shooting outside of Milwaukee's basketball game on Friday night where 17 people were shot? What possesses a group of pro-choice people to start marching and protesting in front of the Supreme Court justices' homes, which, by the way, is illegal? What possesses a, a, people, a group of people in America that are still about butchering and murder, murdering babies? And guys, again, it all goes back to the time where the church of the living God didn't fight back when they started to remove prayer from our schools. And then we didn't fight back when the Supreme Court made the decision about same-sex marriage, making it legal in every state, every state. We didn't fight back when Roe versus Wade first took place. The church has remained silent for too long. And we've allowed all of this to happen, and instead of crying out to God, getting on our faces before a holy God, and crying out for change in America, what we want to do is sit and bellyache about everything that's going on. Guys, it's time for the church to quit bellyache and to get back to praying. It's easy to bellyache about our, this administration. But have we prayed for them? Have you prayed for our president? Have you prayed for our vice president? Have we prayed for our governors? Guys, again, revival is not going to come until God's people get serious again about prayer. Again, 2 Chronicles 7, 14, if my people which are called by my name humble themselves and do what? Pray. We're never going to seek the face of God. We're never going to hear from heaven unless we get serious about prayer again. Every single one of you tonight is an answer to somebody's prayer. I promise you. And do you think the early church took prayer serious? Where do you think their power came from? 
They prayed that God send power from on high. Guys, they were waiting and waiting and waiting, but while they were waiting, guys, they weren't just sitting around. As they were waiting for God to move, they were praying. Guys, I want to see a move of God like we have never seen in the history of the United States of America. I long for it. I crave it. I want to see the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on God's people like he's never done it before. I want to see marriages reconciled. I want to see the prodigal sons returning back to the fold. Listen, I want to see relationships restored. I want to see forgiveness being ushered. And and I want to just see a move of God. But if we don't pray, God's prayer takes time. It takes discipline. Let me read you some stories about the Welsh Revival. And again, in less than one year, the Welsh Revival in 1904-1905 saw 100,000 people come to know Christ as their Savior. You know how all of it got started? There was a man named Evan Roberts for 11 years prayed for revival. You know what that tells me? Number one, don't give up praying for revival. It may not happen tomorrow. It may not happen next week. It may not happen next year. But it took place 11 years after Evan Roberts started praying for revival. And man, the outpouring of God was evident in Wales. 100,000 people in one year's time. But again, after 11 years, revival hit the church. There was such a transformation in such a short period of time that Wales became known as the land of revival. As I was thinking about that, Pastor Greg and Pastor Rudy and Pastor Kyle, I thought, you know what? How awesome would it be if Oxford or Trenton or Camden or Where are you from, brother? New Madison or Fairfield or Hamilton was known as the land of revival. Because again, we got got serious about prayer again and and the unity of God's people that that we're gathering. And and again, guys, we're not just talking about prayer, but we're actually doing it. It's easy to talk about it. It's easy to say, yeah, I know the importance of it. I know how vital it is, and I know the power of it. But to just do it. 100,000 people. Would you like to see 100,000 people give their lives to Christ? Let me read some more about this Welsh revival. During the Welsh revival, the jails closed because nobody was committing crimes. Would anybody like to see that? I don't know what the crime rate in Camden is. Probably zero with Pastor Greg running the show over here. Amen? Amen? But guys, again, there was, there, was, there was such a move of God going on, guys, that the jails were closed because nobody was committing crimes. The revival broke out and spread without any advertisement, any commercials, no posters, no telling about the meetings that were being held. There was no publicity to speak of. But again, what brought the people to the meetings was the Holy Spirit of God. And again, I promise you this, guys, if revival breaks out in Camden at First Southern Baptist Church at Camden, do you not think all of Camden will know about revival that's happening in this church? They will start flocking here, I promise you. Because what in the world is going on at Camden? It's 3.30 in the morning, they're still having church. I got eight hours and 10 minutes. 
Where's Donnie Bridge at? I brought him a lunch. I brought him a sandwich and a bag of chips. I don't know how long, how long we're going to be here tonight. I just want you to be prepared. Do you think that would get the attention of Camden? I promise you it would. Let's keep reading. Let me give you some more stuff about them. Again, there was such an intense passion for Jesus, an overwhelming sense of God's presence. Some of the quotes, again, one man said this about the Welsh Revival. No wonder the people could not sleep and could not stay away from the meetings. No wonder the services carried on to 2, 3 o'clock in the morning and then resulted in a march through the streets when the people singing praises to the Lamb. Boy, they was having some church, amen? Listen, I don't know how good them preachers were back then. Listen, I'd run out of words. What you're going to get from me tonight is I'm going to be tapped out. They must have went in and tagged somebody, man. Okay, you're up, brother. You're next. But you know why they met till 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, church? Because nothing else mattered to them but Jesus. They were in absolute awe of the King of kings and Lord of lords. And church, again, I think it's another issue with the church is we have lost our awe of who Christ is. We need to get our awe back in reverence of who Jesus Christ is. Because, guys, when, you, when, that, when all that starts to happen, listen, you won't look at a watch. You won't look at your clock. Listen, you won't listen to your stomach growling at lunchtime. You'll say, you know what? All I want is Jesus. Another man said this. There was no opening of the meeting. The hearts were, at the opening of the meeting, the hearts were full. They were burst with prayer and praise to God. They felt in our midst. One gentleman who had come from Oxford to see the work said this, these men are not praying to be heard of man. It doesn't matter to them that what people think of them. They are thinking about the answer, not about the hearers. At times, a wave of power without any human instrumentality or anything external to cause it would sweep over the mass of people and spontaneously almost the whole company would pray aloud. Could you imagine if all of a sudden all of God's people just started praying aloud during a church service. Pastors, I can tell you this, it wouldn't freak me out one bit. I'd stop preaching instantly. But guys, when you have such a hunger and a thirst for the things of God, that's the effect of it. That's the result of it. They were so hungry and so thirsty and so excited about what God was doing in their midst. Nothing else mattered. They didn't care who liked them. They didn't care if the world liked them. They didn't care if, if people were upset with them because they just wanted to meet with God and God to meet with them. And man, I long for that day. That we don't worry about lunchtime. We don't worry about, guys, and I'm not just saying this to, just so we can, come up with our own revival and just sit around until five o'clock and nothing happening. That's not revival. I'm talking about when it's a genuine, authentic move of God. Another person said this, everyone was absorbed with God. That was, that was just it. G. Campbell Morgan said this, I can tell you no more, save that I personally stood for three solid hours wedged so that I could not lift my hands at all. He says, if you could but once have seen the men, evidently coal miners, with their blue seam that told of their work, of their faces, clean and beautiful. Beautiful, did I say? 
many of them lit with heaven's own light, radiant with the light that never was seen on sea and land. Today it is awakened, and I look on many a face. I knew the men did not see men. They did not see Evan Roberts, but they saw the face of God in the eternities. During one meeting, a well-known skeptic in the town interrupted Evan Roberts as he preached. He says, I want to ask you a question, he shouted. Roberts ignored him. I want to ask you a question, he yelled angrily. He says, if you do not answer me, I will come to the pulpit to ask my question. Everyone ignored him. So he began to make his way to the pulpit to confront Roberts. An eyewitness to the event described what happened next. Boy, get this, because I get the goosebumps are already standing up on my neck. As in the case of Saul of Tarsus on the Damascus Road, the Holy Spirit overpowered this man. He could have collapsed on the stairs had not the people upheld him, constraining him to cry out for mercy and pardon. What a scene followed. When the people realized the full import of what had happened, the shout went up, he has been saved, he has been saved. Man, who wants a church service like that? Come on. That's the church services I want. Listen, interrupt me all you want if you're going to get saved. I'll stop preaching right now if somebody wants to give their life to Christ. You want to see a revival in this guy? Come give your life to Jesus tonight. It won't just revive you. It'll revive me. During the time of the revival, police were left with virtually nothing to do and the courts were empty. Guys, this is what... Genuine revival looks like. Saloons and bars shut down for lack of business. <laughs> Public drunkenness was almost non-existent. Old debts, many long forgotten, were paid in full. Traveling theatrical agencies canceled their engagements as everyone was in church. And boy, do we need our people back in church. Profanity disappeared. It was said, listen to this, it was even said that the horses were in complete confusion. Why? They had become accustomed to responding to their master's profane shouts and kicks and cursing, virtually of all which had disappeared. Revival impacted the horses. Listen to me, church. Nobody can do that but God. And guys, this is the kind of stuff that we should desire and crave and hunger and thirst after. Listen, it would not bother me one single second if every bar in every community shut down. If every pornographic ring on God's green earth was shut down. If child trafficking stopped. None of that would bother me one bit. It wouldn't even bother me one bit if I tried to ride a horse and it bucked me off because it was confused. But again, these people had such a hunger and a desire for God, and it started with one man getting serious about prayer. Eleven years praying for revival. And you know what? Do you think this early church gave up on praying? No. They continued to pray because they hungered for God. They hungered for God's presence. 
And church, again, I long for the day that God's people once again long for God's presence. That we desire nothing but God. G. Campbell Morgan, Morgan closed one of the sermons during this revival. He said, let no man hear of what happened in Wales and try to start it in his own land. Why? Because no man started it in Wales. He said, we cannot produce revival. We can only pray that God would be gracious to us and send it in abundance. But guys, we know prayer works. So unity, prayer, and then number three tonight, expectation. Expectation. Look at chapter two. And again, the day of Pentecost was fully come. They were all with one accord in one place. Again, they were gathered together. There was this expectation. They were prepared. They were praying. They had this spirit of expectancy. Why did they have this spirit of expectancy? Chapter one, verse number eight. Jesus made a promise before he ascended back into heaven. What was his promise? You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, and into the uttermost part of the earth. While they were waiting, while they were praying, while they were unified, they had this expectation knowing that God was about to unleash the power of the Holy Spirit. How many of y'all believe in the power of the Holy Spirit tonight? Amen? Aren't you glad the Holy Spirit dwells in you? Aren't you glad tonight that the same power that raised Christ from the dead is now the same power that dwells in us? Understand the power that we have, church. And again, the power to just to, to, to pray and, and again, to have this expectation of believing that God is going to do something great. But again, guys, what we have done is we pray with no expectation. I'm going to tell you this tonight, and I say this with all sincerity. I don't say this to be proud. When I pray to God, I expect an answer, whether it's yes, no, wait, whatever. I don't just go to God and say, Lord, you know what, listen, I, if you want to send revival. No, I go to God praying for revival and expecting revival. And, I'm, and I tell the Lord, listen, while, while I'm waiting for you to send revival, while I'm waiting for you to descend upon your people, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be praying. I'm going to live in unity with my brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm going to be serving you. I'm going to continue to stay strong in your word. I'm going to continue to, to give. I'm going to continue to try to reach our community with the gospel. But guys, we have to have an expectation. And again, Matthew 21, 22, and all things whatsoever you ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. And church, again, the question we need to ask ourselves tonight is, do we believe that God wants to send revival? I believe he wants to. But also believe that the condition of his bride at this very moment, he cannot. Let's go back to 2 Chronicles 7, 14. If my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face. Uh-oh, there's another phrase in there. Turn from their wicked ways. Church, you realize that's to God's people. That's not the message to the unsaved. If you will turn from your wicked ways. You say, well, pastor, the church isn't wicked. Well, you might want to do some research. Because there's a lot of ungodliness going on in our churches today. There just is things that I guarantee you Christ is not pleased with. 
And I know Rudy hit on this last time as well. And again, we get so caught up in music styles and we get caught up on, you know, the, the style of the pastor, the preacher. And listen, I don't try to be like Rudy. I don't try to be like Greg in my preaching. This is who God created me to be. This is who God has called me to, to preach and this is how I'm going to preach. I know it's not everybody's cup of tea, but that's okay. Just as long as I'm his cup of tea, that's all right with me. And Ronica's cup of tea. I want to be her cup of tea too. I like her a little bit. But guys, when we go to God, we have to have an expectation. Because let me remind you, the same God that saved you is the same God that still wants to work in you and through you. And again, we have to get back to understanding, because again, here's another issue that I think we struggle with, guys. Many of you sitting here tonight, you have gotten over your salvation. I have not gotten over it. I thank God to this very day that God took this alcoholic and took my drug addict wife and delivered us from the bondage that we were living in. Guys, I was about to split hell wide open at the age of 28 years of age. At the age of 28 years of age. Would you like that? Y'all think it's easy being up here. It's not always easy. But again, because of the grace and mercy of God and because of the, the prayers of my, my grandmother that prayed for 50 plus years for my grandfather, for his salvation, and didn't get to see him get saved, but as soon as she went to heaven, guess what? A few weeks later, my grandfather gets on his face before God and cries out to him, have mercy on me, O God. Gives his life to Jesus. And he ended up dying another month or two later. But boy, what a glorious reunion that was. My grandma never gave up on praying. You know why? She expected God. Has God ever turned a deaf ear to you? If he has, it's because of our disobedience and our sinfulness. Aren't you glad that you're his child and he loves you? And that he listens to us? He hears us when we cry? But guys, we have to believe God. We have to have this spirit of expectation. And again, you don't have to be the smartest person in the world to know that at any moment, Jesus can return. The rapture of the church could happen at any moment. And I get excited every time I talk about it. I told you guys last time I believe, listen, I don't like roller coasters. I'm fascinated by them, but that's a ride I'm looking forward to. I can't wait to get caught up because, listen, it's going to be in the twinkling of an eye. But if I know God, he'll have a sense of humor and he'll leave me hanging about halfway up. <laughs> Maybe drop me like Drop Tower at Kings Island just for a second and then shoot me back up. I hope he doesn't do that, but even if he does, I'll be all right. Because that excites me to know that I truly believe that's the, as far as prophecy is concerned. But I also know this, that I'm going to be caught up together. The dead in Christ will rise first. Then those that are alive and remain shall be caught up together. And when we're caught up together, guess who we're meeting in the sky? None other than Jesus Christ himself. I expect that. You know why? Because the word of God tells me so. Listen, I trust from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22, every word of God. I had this expectation that the same God that saved me is the same God that's going to deliver me out of any situation, 
I have this expectation of believing that God will and always has and will continue to fulfill every promise he's ever given us. He's not a promise breaker. He's a promise keeper. But they waited in unity and prayer, but they had an expectation. And again, as a result of that, look at chapter 2, look at the end of the chapter. Because, guys, the, the, the true results, the results of true revival will not only lead to God's people getting right, but you know what it also lead us to? Each and every one of us being more bold in our witness, and it will lead to people being saved. Look at verse 38. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized in the same day were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Glory to God. All as a result of 120 people getting serious about God, meeting in an upper room, all together, one accord and of one mind, in agreement, praying together, living in unity, and as a result of that, 3,000 souls were saved. Do you think unity and prayer is important in the church? Do you think 3,000 people would have got saved if there was no unity and no prayer? No. But because of those two things, and because 120 people hungered and thirsted after righteousness, desired the things of God, it didn't just impact the church, but it impacted the unsaved world. I want the church of the living God to impact this world like it never has before. But you know what it's going to take? I don't know how many is here tonight, close to 120 Plus, I don't know. Coming together tonight in one accord and of one mind in full agreement, expecting God. Do you think, do we think God can do it? Is there anything God cannot do? Listen, he saved an old wretch like me, so there's nothing that God can't do. And God is still in the saving business. And this is what I love about God. The vilest offender is never beyond the grace and mercy of God. I was pretty vile. You were pretty vile. But God saved us. And you know what, guys? Revival's not going to come again because Pastor Tim preached this message tonight. It's not going to come because Rudy preached two weeks ago. It's not going to come because Pastor Kyle preaches next week not going to come. Listen, we can preach revival until we're blue in the face, but it's never going to come until God's people get serious. I'm serious about it. My wife's here, and I've told her, I don't know how many conversations I've had with her about how much I just want, I want, I want revival. Listen, I know I joke, but I, I, I'm serious about it as well. You know, clocks are optional in my church. I never look at it because I never want to squash the move of the Spirit of God by focusing on time, but also don't want to be a rambler and just start saying a bunch of nothings. But I want to see God move. 
I want to see God move in my life, and I want to see God move in your life. Psalm 86, verse, Psalm 85, verse 6, the psalmist cries out, Wilt thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? Revive us, O Lord. We need revival, church. America needs another great awakening. That's the only, in my opinion, guys, that's the only thing that's going to save America. The 2024 election is not going to save America. I don't care who they put in the White House. The only thing that's going to save America is the Great Awakening. And a Great Awakening is not going to come from the outside world. A Great Awakening is only going to come from inside the church walls. God's people getting serious about the things of God again. Let me close with this illustration. Many people have a will, and they contain the letters DNR. Everybody know what the word, the letters DNR means? Do not resuscitate. You know where many people in our church are today? They have the letters DNR on their hearts. Lord, don't resuscitate me. Don't revive me. Just let me be content. Let me just live my life. Let me just show up to church on Sunday, hear my sermon, go home. Let me go to work five days a week. Let me come back the following Sunday. Lord, I don't want to be revived. I don't want to be resuscitated. Can I tell you this? Number one, you've already been resuscitated when you gave your life to Jesus. Because the Bible says we were dead in our trespasses and sins. Paul also says you have been quickened. You've been made alive. So if you were made alive, what does that mean you used to be? Dead. Church, get rid of DNR. Don't tell the Lord, do not resuscitate me, don't revive me. Just be a willing vessel in the hands of the master. Say, Lord, revive me. Let's bow our heads for prayer tonight.